San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB, you can hear us live on any device. And all these podcasts are commercial-free on iWayMoney.com, and we are free on iTunes uh, if you search the title of the show. Now it's time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's, an, uh, he's a best-selling author. A lecturer, a, phil- a philanthropist, I, I, something to say philanderer, Richard, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. And his name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I know the voice is a little rough, but have at it. Yeah, getting over a sinus, <laughs> sinus problem last week, so I sound like, sound like, you know, I'm working for the mob or something. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year, exactly. So your resolution is to if drink more. If you need more. to make any collection calls, I'll do those for you. Yeah, your resolution <laughs> is to drink more hot tea with lemon and honey and uh, whatever else is good. I, you know, a hot yeah. toddy, I recommend a hot toddy and, you know, this apple cider vinegar is a good thing. Actually, my resolution is to run more since my wife Mary got accepted into the Boston Marathon and I'm supposed to pace her. Oh, my God. I've got to ramp up my distance. And pay for her. How much are those entries, by the way? I don't even know. <laughs> the... the, the where, the, 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 the challenge is, is, you know, we needed a hotel, right, at the, at the finish line uh-huh. because it's point to point. Uh-huh. And, and so the only thing that was available was the Ritz, Carlton. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, like, well, that's the first night's not real busy, so that's only six ninety five a night. But then the price goes up. Oh We're like, gosh. what? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, that ought to be quite the – now, you haven't run this since you lost 11 pounds in the last one, right? I ran – the last time I ran it was 2012. But and you always want to stay at the finish line because 26.2 miles is a long way to go. In that, uh, that uh, terrible heat wave they had, right? Yeah, so I'm basically spending my kids' college education <laughs> fund to get a hotel for four nights in Boston <laughs> in April. <laughs> Well, speaking of college and education and employment and jobs, we have with us tonight a uh, very well-known gentleman around town. He's one of the more popular, well-liked business executives. Um, everyone uh, who's anybody has, has heard of this guy, Dashing Debonair. I don't, of course, he can tell us all about that. But his name is Phil Blair, co-owner of Manpower. Phil, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Joe, Richard, pleasure to be here. Yes, thank you. Now, I know you're on TV once a week, and, uh, and you've written this great book called Job One. And um, it really is terrific. Uh, it's got all kinds of great hints and philosophy to help people, uh, you know, either change careers or get their careers started. And uh, who do you prefer to work with? I guess kids out of college or people in mid-career change or career crisis or, I mean, you wear a lot. You're you're a coach. You're you're wear a lot of hats. You're terrific. Well, my concern is that that all of us be passionate about what we do for a living and that we wake up in the morning excited to go to work. And that's, that's about 10% of Americans. Mm-hmm. So if I can work with college kids to, to let them develop a career path they're passionate about or veterans or mature workforce, any group, we've got a book we're writing on all those segments, mm-hmm. that we wake up in the morning excited to go to work, that we, we are passionate about what we're doing, we're financially satisfied and... Um, we spend so much time awake of our waking hours working that mm-hmm. I want people to enjoy what they do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are like, I hate what I'm doing, but I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. So if I can career coach or through a seminar or lecture or TV, help those people find something they're passionate about, then that's that's the definition of success. For but me. Phil, why only 10, 10% of the people being happy? I mean, what, where do they go wrong typically? What are the common things that happen that cause disenchantment? Well, we have 
10% of the people are excited to go to work mm-hmm. in the morning. I mean, they wake up excited. The next 40%, Richard, are, I like what I do. But when Friday comes along, I'm mm-hmm. pretty excited for Friday. The next 40% are, oh my gosh, is it only Wednesday? I feel like <laughs> I've been here all week. <laughs> Right, and then the bottom ten percent are sort of take this water bottle and stick it through my heart. Don't make me go. To work. Right. <laughs> so my goal well, is take that bottom ten, get them into that forty, and that forty move up, and, okay. and take right. that ten percent to twenty twenty five percent. All right, Phil. So let's track Phil Blair. We, you know, I I know you went to Oklahoma State, but give us yeah. a, born and raised, went to high school where, went in college and business administration. But maybe you give us a little bit about your youth and upbringing and how you found your way to San Diego, and and, and maybe that'll help people. Well, sure. My father was in the international oil business, so we moved around a lot when I was when I was young. I um, went to elementary school in Caracas, Venezuela. I went to wow. junior high school in Tripoli, Libya. Wow. Two exciting parts of the world right now. <laughs> and then, because my older brother was ready to go to uh, high school, we moved back to uh, Connecticut, and so I went to high school in the United States. Wow. And then a friend of mine on a whim was going to Oklahoma State University, and I thought, well, that sounds fun. I'm, you know, sort of like a new country out there. When you live in the <laughs> East Coast, Oklahoma seems like a new country, and uh-huh. sure seemed like nice people out there. Uh-huh. And I was one of these people that didn't, because I grew up traveling a lot, my parents and kids would be on different continents a lot, and it was not uncommon. Going 2,000 miles away to school was the normal thing to do. I mm-hmm. couldn't imagine going home every weekend from college. Mm-hmm. So I went there and um, enjoyed Oklahoma State. I met my wife there my senior year, and we got married a week out of um, college. And wow. In a few months, we have our 45th wedding anniversary. Wow, congratulations. But um, when we got up, we both graduated and wanted sort of interesting laid-back jobs after graduating, and I got a job uh, as a retail clerk in an upscale department store in the men's upscale department. In Oklahoma? Did you stay there? Or? In Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay. And um, sort of like uh, Peter's principal, they kept promoting me. And I go, yeah, why not? Promoting me, why not? Fine. After six months in managing the department, they offered me the executive training program in Phoenix. So we moved to Phoenix, and I uh, was a buyer for a chain of department stores, very similar to sort of if Nordstrom's met Dillard's kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And did that for five years, met Mel Katz there. He and I wanted to start our own business. Oh, was Mel in the same business, too? Is that uh-huh. you, how about yep. that? We met as both buyers. He so what, what year did you Las meet Vegas. Mel? Hmm? What year did you meet Mel? In the 70s. Oh, 1972-ish. Or, Two-ish. Or, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. We became good friends and traveled together on buying trips and then decided we all wanted to live in San Diego. And on a whim, with no planning, no thought, well, how'd you um, pick San Diego? He had, he had already visited here. Look at San Diego. What? Why wouldn't anybody pick San Diego? But I mean, as part of that job, you visited San Diego and said, whoa, we got to... Well, we'd go on buying trips to New York City every six weeks, and mm-hmm. then the three weeks in between, we'd go on buying trips to L.A. And mm-hmm. so we'd always uh, rent a car and drive down to San Diego and go uh. to the beach and then fly back to Phoenix. Uh. So I'm not a big fan of Phoenix. No offense to the listeners. <laughs> so you just came like down Phoenix. here on a whim to check it out and go, whoa. Said, this why are we visiting here? We don't <laughs> live here. Um, <laughs> So we did that, and we heard about, from Mel's father, we heard about this temporary help industry called Manpower, and he was doing very well and liked what he was doing, and mm-hmm. my first big sales job is we convinced the president of Manpower to sell this struggling little branch mm-hmm. in San Diego who mm. was too competitive, a sleepy Navy town, no mm-hmm. business, no industry, 
with hey, what do we got to lose, right? Mm-hmm. If you if we fall on our face, you'll you'll lose less money with us. <laughs> well, that was thirty some years ago, and now it's a hundred fifty million dollar business. And and I'm how about that? Happy that Mel and I are in the top ten percent that love going to work every day still. Well, you got lucky. You met your you met your wife in school. You met your great business power partner in business, and those are really key elements. I think if if you had not met either one of them, you know, you may not be doing this today, right? Oh, yeah. it's fascinating what what turns life can take to yeah. this day. It's yeah. not what happened thirty years ago, but I may have met somebody absolutely fascinating in a seminar I gave today, and you never know it. That's so. true. True, true, true. But, uh, well, that's an interesting... See, I never knew that about you, Mel. Phil. That's Phil. was our previous guest. By the way, guest, we, yeah. we, we did have Mel on the show, and that was yep. when you did that great work you did for the library. I mean, Oh, that, yes. Yeah. That's Wonderful another great facility. thing. You guys both do such great things for this community in addition to your jobs. I, I, I mean, you could be off golfing or, or yachting or whatever, but uh, you guys roll up your sleeves, and you're, you serve on a lot of boards and things, and I think that's great and important, and, and uh, you enjoy that, right? We love it, and and we have the flexibility to do that, and for our wives to be very involved in the community. So, um, and we all like people. We like being out and about and meeting new and interesting people. So mm-hmm. it's it's a great um, it's a great result of hard work. Yeah. Now, when you guys first started out with manpower here, how many uh, uh, people were you putting to work uh, weekly uh, as compared to today? Today, it's like thirty eight hundred for <laughs> out working today. Well, I don't. It's interesting, Joe. I've never gone back to how many temporaries we had out working i know that our sales were um nine thousand dollars a week hmm. and now they're three million dollars a week well, so, that's, well um, that, that's a bit of an improvement <laughs> <laughs> well that's great we'll be back with phil blair from manpower right after this break stay tuned all right we are back with phil blair Co-owner of Manpower, not just here, but also Spokane, Temecula, and another place, Las Vegas, Vegas and Las Vegas, and Albuquerque, and Albuquerque. Wow! If negotiations go well in Las Vegas on Thursday, wow! Montana, Idaho, Jeez. Washington State, Hawaii, El Centro, and Yuma. Oh my gosh! Are those <laughs> yeah. talk about weird environments, new, right? Hawaii to El to Yuma. El Centro. So you're telling yeah. me you're, not, you're gonna have to get new business cards now or new stationery? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's that's part of that loving what you do. You if you yeah. love it, you want it to keep growing. Absolutely. So, so uh, let's talk a little about your civic work. I know you were on the uh, the uh, city council for a, a heartbeat there back in the day. Uh, what do you remember, recall from that? And you were you filled in at District Five, right? Right. Uh, Barbara Warden retired. She was termed out, and she retired, and there was three months left. And so I got the appointment. I sort of call it the ultimate temporary assignment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Loved being in city council. It's a huge eye-opener about how the city works, mm-hmm. uh, mostly very positively, a mm-hmm. um, few negatives. But uh, my favorite part was working with the constituents, which I thought would be a pain in the neck. Mm-hmm. But you really have the opportunity to change lives. And I think that's why I love HR so much mm-hmm. and, and uh, what manpower can do, is you can really take people in politics or in hopefully in your business, that are struggling and are having challenges or very worried about the safety of their children, and you can make a difference. Hmm. District 5 back then served which area, what area of the town was that? Uh, Rancho Bernardo, Scripps Ranch. It's essentially uh, the a same. A little bit of, uh, of Linda Vista, which mm. was my favorite neighborhood. I love Linda Vista. Mm-hmm. They are so 
anxious to improve the their environment and mm-hmm. they're they're so involved in their community and 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 so reasonable in what they want mm-hmm. other wealthier communities were very demanding on mm-hmm. the icing of the cake yeah people in linda vista wanted the cake just the and basics so, oh, yeah. uh, i love the variety yeah and usd's there of course richard's alma mater uh, which is not a bad campus huh? <laughs> no i teach a class there so it's a great school really you st- to this day you teach a class there uh-huh. It's called In the CEO's Chair, and we bring in CEOs, and um, they talk about their career paths and what they did right, what they did wrong. What, If I were 21 and sitting where you are, this is what I would do differently. Huh. And then the second half of the class is job one as the textbook. So it's now a college textbook, and it's how to, if you're excited about this career path, the Paul Jacobs that you just heard about. Well, let's, how do we get there? What's a 30-second elevator speech? How do you mm-hmm. write a resume? How do you uh, hone up on your interview skills? Wow, so it's fun. The book. Wow, that is great. Is that part of the business school there? Or? Uh-huh. It's College of Business. Man, you should open that. You should open it up to the extension, open up to the public. I think you'd have, a, you'd have an auditorium full of people. So. Yeah, well, that, that's something we're working on, so All we'll right. see. So, yeah. Phil, what, what's your opinion? Is college to help young people get jobs, or is college for some other, shall we say, different purpose? Well, I, college is very expensive. I think you need to be very directed when you go to college and, and have a reasonable idea of, of how you're going to use a four-year degree and be able to manage any debt that, debt that you might have. If you're not sure what you want to do, take a year or two off between high school and college and decide what you want to do. But know that you have the fortitude that if you get out of the education path, that you will get back into it because that's very important. Because for most jobs, a college education is a prerequisite, Mm -hmm. and and that's a fact. Um, I work with college students because I don't want them to graduate with a degree in, in philosophy or religion or art appreciation with no idea what they're going to do with that. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that is really an unfortunate situation. Mm-hmm. So by your end of your sophomore year, you should have a real good idea about what you want to do and why you need that degree because you're going to go, you're going to spend a lot of money and maybe go into debt to get it, so make sure you need it. Yeah, try to specialize too. I mean, I saw a list the other day of uh, I think the 20 most fulfilling uh, careers. One was veterinarian. veterinarian. Now we can't all be a veterinarian, but... Uh, if that's what you want to do, you know, you better get busy working with animals, see if that's what, you, you know, even at the preliminary level. You always mention volunteering, and I think that's very important. <clears throat> Excuse me, because we had this guest from uh, um, the San Diego History Center, Mar- uh, Matt Schiff, who I guess got laid off at his other job, and he started volunteering at one of the other museums. And then he found out about this opening at the San Diego History Center, and that's how he got his next job, just through networking, through volunteering, right? Well, and especially if you're looking for a career path or not working, spend your time volunteering to get to know people in that industry. Mm -hmm. If if you're in the accounting field, then volunteer in the finance department at United Way or at the San Diego Foundation Mm -hmm. because you're going to meet lots of people in that field and you can network with them in informational interview to get that um, that lead to a career path. So it's very important. You know, today with the advent of text messaging and cell phones and 
I, do you feel that a lot of the younger generation is, is losing the art of one-on-one communication, human communication, or, or it's a little bit troubling with them. I mean, these kids today, don't even like, they don't even return voicemail. I mean, it's text messaging, and that's it. Uh, so those skills need to be developed, don't they, uh, communication skills? Well, they do, because that's how you present yourself to the, to the <coughs> public. Uh, you're rarely going to go on a job interview that will all be text texted in and back Mm -hmm. Um, so it's important but I haven't yes there's clearly a lot of texting and and our generation tends to use email more they want immediate (laughs) gratification with texts Mm -hmm. um, which I see that but I rarely have have seen where they've lost that ability to carry on a conversation Mm -hmm. I mean when they get together they're very animated a lot of it's technology and somebody will say something and say I wonder you know how high Mount Everest is. Mm-hmm. We would have gone, ah, when we get to an encyclopedia. They'll right. be, 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 Google so it. they you go onto their, their phone and go, oh, it's 18,263 feet. So they're into immediate answers. Um, I, I will tell you a story that I, I use that's sort of one of the saddest things. I live in Del Mar. My wife and I were walking our old English sheepdog down the sidewalk. And this family at a sidewalk was was both, all four of them were looking down. And there was two teenagers <laughs> and then a mom and dad. And I thought, well, that's nice. I mean, they're here at a beach community and they're saying grace before they have <laughs> no. lunch. And I thought, you know, that's nice. A lot of You don't see a lot of that in Del Mar, the beach community. <laughs> but as we got closer to them, all four of them were on their phones in their laps. Yeah. Like nobody could see that they were on their phones, yeah. right? Yeah. And I thought, wow. That is such a misuse of their time together as a family. Yeah. And so you see examples of that, um, which is really unfortunate. I think as parents, we have to go, whoa, mm-hmm. everybody turn their phones off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no right? kidding. I'm as much of the problem if I use my phone. What example am I setting? So we can't let that happen. Yeah. But, night, but Joe, the, um, the effect I've seen of texting is on writing. It's very difficult for me as a CPA to find people, whether young or old, who could actually write a letter. So, well, Phil, question, I'm how important is good writing? And spelling. And spelling. Well, in terms of getting a job. to write, and I use cover letters. People just submit their resume. Right. Well, a cover letter is my test in HR of how well you can write. Mm-hmm. Put concise thoughts together with no spelling errors and laid out correctly. The resume is facts. The cover letter is my ability to write and mm-hmm. to communicate. Some of us in HR go to the resume, and if you're of interest, we go to the cover letter. Other people go to the cover letter, mm-hmm. and if of interest, go to the resume. So they're, they are equally important. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing <clears throat> that makes a huge difference because it's antiquated and therefore it's noticed is handwritten thank mm-hmm. you notes. Mm-hmm. It's so easy after an interview, first of all, not to send any kind of a thank you communication, but a lot of people now email them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's okay, but everybody I interview, 8 out of 10 will email. Well, that's very easy to do, mm-hmm. right? A handwritten thank you note jumps out, mm-hmm. like in the mail. When my secretary brings the mail, on top of the stack are the handwritten thank you mm-hmm. notes. How about the photograph I included with uh, on the resume? Uh, no. No? Don't no. do that? 
EEOC issues that puts HR in a very uncomfortable situation. Mm, okay. Because right. what you're saying is, and I'm pretty, too, <laughs> and I'm young, right? Well, that puts me in a very awkward situation yeah. because anyway, it tells me too much information, TMI. It's awkward right now because we have to take our pause. We'll be back with Phil Blair from Manpower right after new sports and weather. Hang on. All right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard thanks our sponsors. Hey, a big thank you to our sponsors. As always, couldn't do this show without our sponsors, of course. At the top of the list, UBS with Mr. Michael Caranta and Drew Fetus. A big thank you to UBS. Also, Signature Analytics, one of our two CPA groups that sponsor this show, Jason Kruger CPA. Uh, company Signature Analytics is a great CFO service with offices in five West Coast cities. More traditional CPAs, Polito Epic CPAs in San Marcos, Don Epic in Paul Polito, and also Carl Sheeler, he of the new book from John Wiley and Sons. Carl, of course, is a vice president of Berkeley Research Group. Berkeley Research Group is a business valuation firm that helps business owners understand the risks that drive the values of their businesses, reduce risk, and increase value. Also, Joel Gruskin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Now, all this money that Carl and Joel make for you. How about Brenda Geiger with the Geiger Law Office? Brenda specializes in estate planning and asset protection. Also, if you need a place to put your money, California Republic Bank. Lane Elliott and Sean Sean Puckett with California Republic Bank out of Orange County, but with an office now in UTC, specializing in banking services for wealthy families and family offices. Also, Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance, Neil Staley, a very good employee benefits firm here in the North County of San Diego. The LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPAs' very best clients. Of course, Paul Hines with Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, and of course, Paul heads up the SeniorSafeAndSound.org project here in San Diego, helping to mitigate senior elder abuse and back on the roster as they are every first quarter of the year because they have their national conference coming up here in town on March 6th, 7th, and 8th is the Servant Leadership Institute, our great friend Art Barter and crew, Servant Leadership Institute, more information on that as we get into this new year of 2016. And Joe, how can our listeners find out more about, oh, and also Courtney Laver is now, because we went to her wedding dinner, Courtney Laver with PopX Graphics is now married. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that won't uh, reduce the amount of time she has available to do what for us, Joe? Well, look, all you have to do is get over to IYMoney.com and get your cursor on the Sponsor tab. There's a drop-down menu there, and you can learn about any one or all of them. Uh, their contact information is there, their biographical information, and I know they've been working with Richard for many years with great success, correct? Uh, in some cases, dating to the early 1980s, which I don't really even remember. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, we have recently added, well, not, 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 uh, not to mention our additional medallions for being, you know, all these press club awards. All of our first place awards. Yes. Seven of them in three years. Yes. So uh, they're there up on the, the, the header now. But also we have uh, all the guests in alphabetical order. So if you want to find Phil Blair next week, just look under the Bs and you can listen to this podcast uh, again and again. So, by the way, welcome back, Phil Blair. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hey, Phil, minimum wage, do you have a, is that going to impact your business or do you have an opinion on that or is it just you want to let things work out as they <laughs> go as they may? A topic that Mel and I disagree on daily. Okay. <laughs> uh, at at Manpower, we have very few people at minimum wage, mm-hmm. and the ones that we do have are um, project called payrolling, where customers send them to us and tell us what to pay them. So it's an accounting service for a mm-hmm. special project, mm-hmm. typically. I'm a believer in minimum wage being increased. It's federally at seven twenty-five, and that's just um, a silly amount. Yeah, it's below poverty level. Basically, well, in, in most most ge- geographies. Yeah, I mean it is, but but fifteen people seems will make the case that we're now at ten dollars an hour in California, and that's below poverty level. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that we're going to get minimum wage means middle class living. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be too extreme. But I'm a believer in minimum wage for the the nationally going up and statewide. Mm-hmm. What I don't support and will oppose a referendum is the city of San Diego having its own minimum wage rate mm-hmm. because it then makes it confusing. If you work in La Mesa, the minimum wage is different than in San Diego mm-hmm. and, and various companies. I also think we need to be very clear that people I talk to think it's the county of San Diego that's raising its minimum wage. It is not. It is the city of San Diego. Hmm. So I think that proposal um, should not happen. I think we should continue to raise the state minimum mm-hmm. wage. I'd be comfortable with a dollar a year planned out so businesses, especially small businesses, know about. Well, this, I think if you, uh, yeah, if you had a mom and pop store with, you know, two or three employees to to, to have a quantum leap like that, uh, you, may, you may have to shutter your business. So I'm thinking, you know, depending upon the size of the business, maybe gradual increases uh, accordingly. What do you think of that? No, I do. And I think if if the uh, legislature changed the minimum wage to go up a dollar a year for the next three years until we get to, say, mm-hmm. 15 and then stop, mm-hmm. um, because it's expensive to live here in San Diego. Yeah. I do think we need to be aware that even though we're raising the minimum wage, the industries that now pay the minimum wage, whatever it is, mm-hmm. are the industries typically that support services to low-income providers. Mm-hmm. I'll use fast foods as a perfect example. Hospitality, work, you know, the, all that. Right? Their cost of fast food, if, if payroll goes up 10% every year, well, the cost of the food is going to go up 10 mm-hmm. or 15%. Mm-hmm. So the food becomes more expensive, and what have I accomplished? Now I'm making more money, but I'm paying more for the goods mm-hmm. that I buy. And you may be losing so some customers. So we have to watch that. You may we be have... losing some customers, too, because yeah. people... And the, and the other thing is, talk about, well, nobody got laid off. Well, how many jobs weren't created because we took the mm-hmm. minimum wage from 9 to 12 an hour mm-hmm. in one year? Mm-hmm. So I'm very opposed. It needs to be planned, it needs to be gradual, and it needs to be federally or statewide. On the other hand, we have a lot of employees in the state, and I think nationally, who are getting paid cash under the table. A lot of them probably from another country, and uh, I don't know, you know, what we're going to do about that. Uh, <laughs> no, we've always had that, and we always will have that. Yeah. So uh, whatever. I mean, if they wanted to crack down and make an example out of some people, I know they've they've done it at some factories, but as far as domestic help, uh, and we all know people <laughs> who who do that. But uh, anyway. Be that as it may, it's a, it's a reality. It's never going to change, Joe. Yeah. I yeah. suppose. And the I, president I suppose and the secretary of labor, um, Perez, are pushing 1050 as the national minimum wage. And I hmm. think that would be a good jump. Yeah, and I mean, I think for national, that would jump. make sense. That hmm. would make a lot of sense nationally. 
Interesting. But it's still too low for California. Interesting. So, Phil, you, you've been here since uh, the, the 70s, and you've seen the the uh, complexion of San Diego change quite a bit job-wise, employment-wise. Uh, what would you be advising young people today? What's really booming and growing? Uh, what would you suggest uh, to, to a lot of people for opportunities here today? Well, they need to take responsibility for their careers. They need to, to be aware of the various career paths that are open to them, um, don't get in a rut, just go down one path because mom or dad said you were good at this. I find people in the accounting field. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Bill. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you were, Billy was good. Thanks, at, pal. Uh, yeah. Little Rich was good with numbers at five years old, and his parents got in mind you'd make a great accountant or CPA. Right. And so they just focused on that and, mm-hmm. and they got in a rut. And, and I talk to people, Richard, that are 10 years into an accounting job and going, what am I doing I here? I hated this the yeah, first I took, I class took a, I took in college. <laughs> I, I've told this story once on the show. I'll tell it again. I took an aptitude test or whatever it's called in high school, and it came up with that I'm really good with numbers but really bad with people. <laughs> so it, it, it well, gave me so it gave me two choices. It said you could either be a priest or you could be an accountant. <laughs> I took that test. I think I, be, I think mine was bookstore manager, and uh, I never knew why that ever. And, and then I became a CPA and discovered it was all about relationships. <laughs> it really well, is. Well, Richard, now you matriculated into the family office space, and uh, correct. What? How did you know? Apparently, you didn't like CPA work per se, but what? Well, yeah, like I don't do tax returns, don't prepare financial statements. I just noticed that wealthy families have a lot of needs that traditional service models that law firms, accounting firms, wealth mm-hmm. advisory firms, they're more geared towards servicing average clients, mm-hmm. whereas the wealthy families need a, a much higher level, not necessarily of technical expertise, but, wealth but, but management. certainly, of, uh, but, well, but certainly um, in, in terms of the network and the resources they need to have at their fingertips. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's how that evolved. What inspired, uh, so it was relationship-driven. Yeah, so what inspired you to go from traditional CPA work into that? I mean, did you Well, you know, I started out on a typical career path, and I realized tax season was the most stupid thing I ever heard, <laughs> you know, or saw or witnessed or participated in. And the fact that we were getting free pizza on Sundays while working 90 hours a week didn't do much for me. So I mean, and, and so I said, you know, there's got to be a better way to apply an accounting degree and accounting and tax knowledge to a certain clientele. Okay. Um, where, where, where you're bringing other resources and value adds that so go well we have, beyond because tax returns and financial statements do are just commodities these days. So like Madonna, we have to keep uh, reinventing ourselves, right? Well, you so, know, I, I'm going to ask you do. this, Phil. Don't don't but, many people. But, I mean, well, it, hang on, Phil. Uh, uh, I'll take a break. Yeah. Cause okay. We, I'm going to ask this when we come back from the right. break. Then we're going to take a little break right now. We'll be back with Phil Blair for Manpower right after this. Hang on. All right, we're back in the home stretch with Phil Blair from Manpower, and we're all getting smart with Phil. Love that show. Did you like that show, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, and I want to keep getting smarter. <laughs> I think it's important to keep getting smarter, but that leads to my question. Uh, my parents' era, my, my dad was a school teacher and then school administrator basically for his whole career. My mom was a nurse basically for, for her, her whole career. Um, are, are people doing that still where they're basically one thing for their entire working life, or are you seeing people have a multitude of careers now? It's really flipped, Richard. The average permanent job, and I always laugh when I say permanent job, is slightly over three years wow. these days. It's so, like being a linebacker in the NFL. <laughs> which brings up the whole concussion issue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> save that for tomorrow's program. Right. But, um, yeah, there's so much variety uh, in job opportunities out there. And the, the average three years for 
for two reasons. One, I'm, I'm not learning in this job. I'm not challenged. I'm not compensated fairly. I don't like my coworkers. I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. And the flip is an employers are saying, you know, Joe and Richard, you're doing a good job, but you're getting stale and you don't have the newest technology and you're not doing anything wrong, but I need, I need some new energy in here. So new I'm skills, letting huh? you go. Hmm. Um, and it may be attitude. And it always happens at Christmas, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully not. But that yeah. end of year, it's too bad Christmas comes at the end of the year. We'd like, yeah, yeah. Year, we'd like to separate those two budget years from, from Christmas years. <laughs> but with the average job being slightly over three years, number one, if you go into a career path, if you don't like it, you're not stuck in that for the rest of your working time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But you have to do something about it. Or you're going to look back 20 years later and go, why am I still here? Mm -hmm. I wish my boss had fired me. Well, that's really unfortunate if you say that because Mm -hmm. you never want to be fired because you'll be fighting that on your resume for the rest of your working career. So you've got to stop and say, I need to make a change. I love this industry, but I don't like this company. I love this company, but I don't like this boss. I love this company, but I don't like this industry. Well, the, um, sh- the shock of getting let go, though, and looking at it as an opportunity, I mean, that's something that you ha- you really have to tra- train I, people on that, huh? I, I career coach so many people that I say, look, it was a shock that you gave, got laid off, or you knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. But in six months, you're going to look back, and you're going to go, that was the best thing that ever happened to me, because mm-hmm. I'd still be there mm-hmm. and not know about this new opportunity or, or starting my own business or writing my book or all these exciting things that, I'm, that I got kicked in the butt and I finally did them. Mm-hmm. So turn it around and make it a, a positive. Now you have to do, you know, back to your area, you have to look at your expenses, you have mm-hmm. to look at your health. I encourage people to look at their budgeting so that they are comfortable doing a job search for three, six months mm-hmm. that they work out as a stress release mm-hmm. and to take care of their health and do lots of positive uh, things so that they are comfortable doing a new job search. How do you manage when you're in a, in a job and you want, you want to get a new job and you're working full-time, but you know where do you find the time to interview or seek a new position while you're in one? That's a little tougher, isn't it? You use your lunch periods. You use your weekends, your you evenings. use your evenings, you get out there. And if, if I'm thinking of going into this industry, then I want to go to their association lunches. I want to go to their job fairs. I want to be around people that do that. Mm-hmm. I want to do informational interviews. You have to be proactive. You can't sit back and go, oh, well, somebody will come recruit me. Mm. No, Does they it? won't. Yeah. Which, which brings me to a point. It used to be in the old days that I was with... GM for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a good thing anymore. No, those pensions are gone too. <laughs> well, because when I look at you and I go, okay, you, when I hire you, the only thing you're going to know is the GM way of doing things. Right. I'd rather have you had four different companies, so I'll, I'll learn what IBM does well, what GM does well, what this little startup mm-hmm. does well. And the other thing is, you mean nobody recruited you away for over 25 years? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we do executive search. We go after the best people in the best companies in the best industries. So if you're not recruited away by a headhunter, mm-hmm. then I question the quality of your work. Hmm. And also, Phil, isn't technology changing um, how people approach careers? Because, I mean, there's going to be new industries 10, 20, 30 years from now that we haven't even con- conceived of. 
there are, and you need to start researching the skills you need for those sort of fields. Mm -hmm. And technology, Richard, is a perfect example of getting scale, getting stale in the job you're in. Right. If if you're not using social media as a way to promote right. sales and marketing, then I got to get somebody in here who can. You mm -hmm. say, well, I don't want to learn all that. Well, I don't want to pay you a salary. Mm -hmm. And you're going to part ways. Mm -hmm. So you need to keep yourself current. If you need to go back and get a certificate, you need to get an MBA, you need to get a master's, do it. Mm -hmm. Or somebody will do it for you. In our closing minutes here, Phil, I know we had a great uh, mutual friend in the late, great Midge Costanza. Yes. And, and there is a book uh, that's going to be released on her life uh, coming out in May. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, you can round up your, your circle of friends and we'll have a nice book release party. But how did you ever meet Midge in the first place? She was just a ball of dynamite and a lot of fun to be around and quite a, an historic woman, really, in a lot of ways. Gosh, Joe, how did we all not meet Midge Costanza? <laughs> yeah. First of all, she's a Democrat, so I, I know very few of those. Right. Mel and Midge were about my token, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Must have been an event or something. But I she's... think it was Planned Parenthood. I mean, I joke about being a Republican. That's a real shaky field for me right now. I'm yeah, I've very, been watching the debates, but anyway. I'm a very liberal oh. on social issues, and on fiscal, I'm quite conservative. But on liberal issues, I'm very, uh, on social issues, I'm very, very liberal. And I think I was president of Planned Parenthood, and she was involved mm. in the organization. Mm -hmm. And funny, funny, charming, bright lady. And I, um, I owe her a lot because whenever... I would make a major presentation. I would have her critique, and she is a, a speech coach. Yeah. And she would help write the speeches with me and then coach present them. Yeah. And so I, uh, my comfort in speaking to huge audiences and doing radio shows and TV segments is owed a lot to, uh, to, Midge. to Midge's training yeah. that empowered me to be comfortable doing this. Yeah. She just, and, boy, she could pick up the phone and call just about anybody, huh? She had the Rolodex of... Uh... <laughs> oh, she could, and her talent was in her presentations. Um, yeah, her speech. First, we met, and now it comes to me, we met at a rotary that I was the chair of the day and she was the speaker. Huh. And she, 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 she just latched onto me and was just making jokes about legs and you ought to see from the back, from the front. I mean, all these sexual innuendos that yeah. were hysterical. But she could speak and have you rolling in the aisle with laughter and then in 10 seconds have tears in your eyes. Yeah, it was. I just sat back and went, "What a talent! Yeah. I want that." Yeah, and got to know her as a friend and as professionally. Yeah, lovely, lovely. I really, lovely. I, I think of her often and uh, miss her, miss her quite a bit. And um, so, anyway, hopefully, the book uh, uh, is going to be released in May by a professor, I believe, over at Women's Studies over at San Diego State. Mm -hmm. And we'll probably get her on, Richard. And, and yeah, we'd like her. to. It'd be fun because Midge's, yeah. Midge's life was uh, incredible. I mean, worked the first woman in history to to be an advisor to a sitting president, and it took till nineteen. Yeah, 1977. So when, yeah. when Phil and Mel landed here, and <laughs> <laughs> we had a similar career. She was in the White House. We were moving from Phoenix you're an opposite coast, but yeah, lot in common. Whoever thought you'd ever can you intersect like that? So that was terrific. So anyway, what can you tell us, uh, Del Mar? I mean, Sandy, have you lived all over here? I mean, you love this town, right? Uh, you get out and walk a lot, and I know uh, you're in shape. I used to see you on TV, you know, in the morning at the NBC, I guess, running, jogging. You still do oh, a lot yeah, of Oh, yeah, our turtles group. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I, you know, I think it's important for all of us to have bucket lists and things that we want to accomplish. The, mm -hmm. the teaching at USD, which is, is, is on hold right now because it's very time-consuming, mm -hmm. 
um, was just a mention to the dean at the College of Business. You know, my bucket list is teaching someday. He said, well, what would you teach? Well, to, to, by the time I got back to office, his secretary called and said, yeah. the dean would like to meet with you. And all at once I was teaching at USD. Um, the book on um, veterans, we're working on that. I want to write a book on job one for mature workforce. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is overcoming difficulties with drug, alcohol, and prison. Mm. Because I think, I know, with career coaching mm. and training, I can make somebody who has overcome one of those hurdles a better employee and, and give a better interview than somebody who has not. They think former inmates might be the best cops out there. I mean, who knows the game better than, than they, right? So. Anyway, yeah. Phil Blair, thanks so much for being our guest. Phil, Cole. really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank My you. My pleasure. Yeah, R- it, Richard, great seeing you this week. Justin Hart, our board operator, making, thank you for making us sound great. Thanks to Craig Blanking, our account executive, and thanks to Dave Smith, our programming genius here. Next week is Darlene Shiley, and all these <laughs> podcasts are on iymoney.com. You have a great week, everybody. Stay dry. Bye-bye. <laughs>